I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Is it boring watching the elite college football teams? Helmets off is on. Hey, folks, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and we're excited about this, uh, this episode. Fun things to talk about, of course. Uh, do we get tired of watching Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and, I don't know, every other year, maybe Notre Dame and whatever? But then it's. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, oh, and maybe Notre Dame. Now, I, I'm tired of it. I, I really am. I'm tired of it. But is is kind of mid-level college football more interesting to watch? And, and, and it's kind of like middle America, the majority of the people, you know, it's like attention Walmart shoppers. I mean, so many people, the masses go to Walmart and they're just fine. I don't know. Uh, we're going to chat about that today. And then who is going to be the NFL MVP? I have my thoughts on that one. Uh, might surprise you a little bit, but, uh, well, we'll see. And then uh, Drew Brees has now entered the broadcast booth, and he no longer is a quarterback in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints, the Narland Saints. Taysom Hill, is he the guy? Is Taysom Hill the guy? I'll give you my thoughts about that as well. All right. Shifting here to the NFL and the NFL in general, uh, who is going to be the MVP? Is it Tom Brady? I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay comes back this year and I just wouldn't be surprised to see them in the Super Bowl again. I, I really would not be surprised. You just I don't know. It just, it, I, and, and I don't think it's Tom Brady as much as it is the rest of the team in that they know how to get to the Super Bowl now. Like they, they know the path. They know the, they know the, the cadence. They know, they know the pace of the season and when to push it, when not to push it, and, and how to work through all of the scenarios, every single one of them. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that they're going to see right now uh, that they haven't seen. So, so the confidence level of the entire team, I'm not talking about Tom Brady. I'm talking about the guys who did it. And they now know. They now have a secret that nobody else has. And that confidence can carry to, to so many victories that maybe they wouldn't have won in the past. And it's one of those things that very easily could have put them in the Super Bowl again. But is Tom Brady going to be the MVP? I, don't, I really don't think so. 
everyone's like, well, you know, the guy that's probably going to be the guy is uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. And he's certainly, he's certainly a front runner for this type of thing. But uh, he's, he's, he's a guy that uh, has actually had, what's the word? Um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he, everything is falling into place for him. And, and so, uh, you know, the one thing that deterred them a year ago was the offensive line, and they've certainly secured that. So, I, you know, he's hard to pick against. But I think it's one of those things where, yeah, we've done it so many times. Or, or if someone else comes along and has a really good year, I really think they're better suited to be the MVP. And when, when I saw this topic, I'll just tell you the first name that popped into my head. And then I'll tell you the second one. The first name is Matthew Stafford. And I'll tell you why he popped into my mind is there's so much buzz going on right now about all the teams that wanted to trade for Matthew Stafford. Like they all wanted it. They wanted, they wanted to, um, you know, the, the 49ers, there were other teams that, you know, the Broncos, uh, a lot of teams were really interested in Matthew Stafford and, and then rightfully so, because from a talent perspective, from a guy who can just throw the heck out of the football, I'm not sure there's anyone better than him in the NFL right now. And he's going to a team and to a coach, number one, that from day one has confidence in him. You know, when you're, you're Sean McVay and, and you inherit Jared Goff, and I, I kind of have liked Jared Goff. I, mean, I, I know – you know, he, he kind of, the Super Bowl was kind of stinky for him, but Sean McVay even admitted it was stinky for him too. He didn't do that great. So I, I just, I think that that uh, Sean McVay wants his own guy. You know, he's just, he just he, he 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 wants his own guy. He wants to he wants to trade for his own guy. I mean, think of Drew Brees. He he wasn't Sean Payton's guy in the beginning. He didn't inherit him. Sean Payton went out and handpicked him. And now, and now Sean McVay has this opportunity to handpick his guy, a guy who's really, um, I don't want to say underperformed because he's had quite a stellar career, but he's, he's just been stuck in a bad place in Detroit. Believe me, I know how bad Detroit is on quarterback. But he's, he's done remarkable. And I just, I just get a sense that uh, – in, in a new, fresh environment, on a pretty good football team with a pretty good defense, I would not be surprised at all to see Matthew Stafford elevate to uh, a, a you know a crazy higher level. He's in LA, where he's going to get a lot of pub if he does well, more than maybe he deserves. Anyone in the big markets—New York, Los Angeles. They're always better or worse than they really are. And so that will bode well for him. Uh, a guy who still has a lot of football left with an offensive-minded coach in a new situation on a, on a pretty good football team. I wouldn't be surprised if Matthew Stafford ends up being an MVP. And here's my runner-up. 
I'm going to go with uh, Russell Wilson. He just, he just, he's a guy that just, you know, he's kind of grumpy about his situation. Aaron Rodgers grumpy about his situation. But I think Russell Wilson um, is a true professional. I think Russell Wilson can handle some of the uh, backlash he's he's got from whatever, and 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 I think he'll he'll put a good face on things, and he'll be a good trooper, and and it it just kind of feels like it's about time for Russell Wilson to take another step. So I've got Matthew Stafford. And following close behind him is Russell Wilson. But let me tell you something, folks. Do not, do not count out Tom Brady. This, this whole golf challenge that, that happened recently, it was fascinating watching these guys prepare for this. Like, they took it serious. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, of course, Tom Brady. And you, you can see how that kind of mindset translated into a lot of success for those guys on the football field. So don't count out, do not count out Tom Brady. I'm going to say count out Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is a guy that just looks for drama. I mean, it's just, it's insane what he does. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, moving on. So you're a college football fan. And I think, I think this statement, and I think this, this is an interesting segment here because I think that college football is boring. And of course there's lots of talk about changing to a 12 team playoff. Mac Brown at North Carolina and some of his players very, I, I, I don't know. I almost want to say uninformed don't like it. And of course, everyone's going to have their opinion. But I think I think anybody who follows college football, anybody who is fairly uh, involved in college football goes, this playoff is could get real exciting. There's no sport where there's a championship, someone gets a trophy where you don't play. Like you play on the field. You, you don't you don't go, "Oh yeah, we're we're going to just we're just going to dis- I mean, we're just going to pick a, a team we think is good because you don't really know. You really, really do not know until teams get together and they actually play each other. A few years ago, uh, Urban Meyer was at Florida and he got into this, I need speed. And he had Percy Harvin and he had some of these other players that just, they were, they were, they were blazers. And they played Ohio State. And Ohio State was still stuck in the old Big Ten. Big, corn-fed, Midwestern offensive lineman, slow, grinded out. And uh, it was, and, you know, it was a track meet. Florida just, just said, we got faster, better athletes than you do. And you don't know that, like, because they play different conferences. So until they actually play, 
you have no idea how good teams are. You can't just subjectively go, oh, man, they had all these five-star recruits and, and uh, you know, they get all the best. I mean, you can't go by recruiting either. I mean, it, it has some measure, and certainly a lot of players from the SEC, a lot of players from Alabama, Georgia, go on and play in the NFL. So, yeah, they're, they're a lot of really good players, but a lot of times really good players are, are not the best uh, at the end of the day because they don't they don't learn technique they don't learn sometimes I'm not saying they don't ever but they just they rely so much on just being athletic that they kind of they get lost in some of that and then they get to the NFL and like everyone's athletic and they're just another player and they haven't really learned how to create an edge or or how to be a real pro and a lot of these guys struggle So I, 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 you know, it, it's hard to sit here and subjectively go, oh, yeah, this is the best team in the country. Are you kidding me? Where it works is if you play it on the field. But the way it's worked, it's so freaking boring. I mean, really, I don't care. I don't care about the college football national championship right now. I really don't. I really don't care about it. Because it's the same four teams over and over and over again. And it's embarrassing. I mean, it's really, really, really embarrassing. You don't know. You just do not know how good a team is until they line up and they play. And it's like, and what's nice about the playoffs, it's not just one and done. You know, you got to win a couple of games. you got to be vetted out to some degree. It is a good thing in the NBA where they play a best of seven and you just get, you get an idea of like, all right, over, Oh, you know, everyone can get lucky once in a while, but the team that really is a great team does it all the time. And that, and that's how you want your champion to be. I don't have a problem with the, the playoffs. And I mean, I I'm just beyond excited about the potential of that and what it means. So as it stands today, wouldn't you rather watch like two really competitive teams go at it as opposed to, oh yeah, that you know these these same guys uh, again and again and again? Because you can't tell me that all of the the best players are just totally concentrated in one spot. There's 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 too many players in, in uh, college football that are good. So having some of these. I don't know, other, other conferences, maybe some of these mid-tier teams, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I'll give you an example from, uh, from last year. Cincinnati played Georgia in a bowl game and, and really should have won the bowl game, but they, they were exciting. They were fun to watch. It was, it was, it was entertaining. It was, you know, it was, it was a game that uh, you, you kind of liked. And so, uh, you know, I, I just would much rather watch a really good football team against some pretty good competition as opposed to just like, yeah, Alabama's going to win it all. Uh, I, I almost think uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of high school football in the state of Utah. So there's a thing called open enrollment. And in open enrollment, you can go anywhere you want to high school, even if you don't live in the boundaries of the high school. 
and it's and the 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 trick to it or the challenge of it is they have to have capacity. So they they know they're going to have so many students every year, and and if they don't have the capacity, then you're on a waiting list, or you can't go to the school. But miraculously, there are high schools in Utah that magically find room for these athletes. And, uh, you know, Bingham High School is one that, um, and, and they don't recruit, I'm not saying, but because it's the parents. Parents just go, my, my kid is amazing, he's going to this school. I mean, this last year at Corner Canyon High School, uh, where I live, uh, had a kid who lived up, you know, he lived, he lived two counties away. And he was, he was already at another high school and he ends up at, at Corner Canyon High School and ends up signing with USC. And, and he, he, you know, so you, you have, what you have is you, you create a, a super teams. And, the, and these teams, they, like they just, can't, they're gonna beat everybody. And it gets to the point where you just go, this really stinks. Like I, you, you lose interest and, and they, they've even tried to put like super classifications on some of these schools. And of course the board of education goes, well, uh, you can only move for academic reasons. Like you can't just go to a school because of athletics. And so everyone goes, oh, I just love the math program here. It's amazing. Or I'm a drama student and they have a great drama department, whatever. Uh, no one ever says, yeah, they also have a really good football team. Reg regardless of the reason, it happens. And parents, boy, they're going to get their kids. Uh, in fact, there was, a, there was a kid who was the top-rated kid in Arizona, uh, and he's now enrolled in Corner Canyon High School in Utah, and uh, he's an early commit to USC. But from a fan perspective, you go, I mean, unless you're a fan of that school, and I love how they go, oh, yeah, we're just better than everyone else. And it's like, yeah, because you've got all the players. It's like, give me a break. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, if it was fair and equal footing like NASCAR, you know, where everyone has the same car, then let's see who the best team is. Let's see who the best coach is. Let's see who the best players are when you're, you're on equal, equal footing. But what it does is it makes football not fun to watch because you know the outcome. And we want to watch it because we don't know the outcome. We want competitive games, teams that are really trying hard, teams that are evenly matched, that the outcome is uh, to, to be, you know, hopefully late in the game, that it's a last second, that it's back and forth, that it's like, wow, it just, where it just really draws on your emotion. I mean, when you go into the game watching it, knowing the outcome before you watch it, unless you're a super fan of that team, you don't care. You don't want to watch it. So getting some of these, you know, mid-tier teams in college football and watching, watching them just passionately go out, you know, and, and every year someone, you know, an Iowa State shows up out of nowhere or, or a, a Cincinnati or, or a BYU a few years ago, uh, these teams, and, and they're, they're fun to watch. You want to watch them because it's, it's unexpected. It's not, it's not a foredrawn conclusion. Otherwise, why do it? Why, why, do, why play the games? Why, why even, I mean, if, if you know the outcome, 
if you've got such a superior team, who cares? And that's not fun. It's not fun for anyone. I hated it when I was a, co- a high school football coach going into a game going, we have no shot. They have so many good players beyond what we have. This is going to be a tall, tall order for us to win. All right, let's jump back uh, to the NFL here uh, for a minute. Uh, Taysom Hill is the, uh, well, you know, he's the starting quarterback, maybe, for the Narland Saints after Drew Brees has now retired. Quite frankly, I think it was a mistake for New Orleans to keep Drew Brees for the last couple of years. I know they felt like they were close as a team, but you want to know, you want to know where you're headed. And uh, Drew Brees was not, he was just not that effective uh, in the playoffs the last couple of years. So you, you really want to, I don't know, you want to know what you have or what you don't have, because then, then you, then you go out and you say, well, let's go draft a quarterback. Let's go find a quarterback. Let's go sign a quarterback. Who knows? Maybe the Northern Saints would have gotten Matthew Stafford or somebody else, or maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers was a viable uh, trade option for for them, or or Russell Wilson, or who, who knows? But uh, uh, kind of delaying this, it puts it puts the uh, the Northern Saints in limbo. Now, that said, they got uh, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And, and I think they're going to go with Taysom Hill. And I think they're going to go with him only because James Winston has already had a shot. And, and not that he wasn't bad because, you know, he, he was pretty prolific in a short period of time for the, for the Bucks. But Taysom Hill is just, he's this ever-evolving phenom because he's so athletic. He's so much more athletic than he is a good quarterback. And I think being with Sean Payton and Drew Brees actually helped him, helped him to be a better quarterback. But still, it, you know, he, he's just this, he's this unique anomaly. And you have Sean Payton, who's a little bit whacked, in a good way, by the way. I don't mean that in a bad way. Where, where he's a guy that's willing to kind of think outside the box. I mean, he, he saw something in Taysom Hill to start with. And if anyone could get creative and tap into the best of what Taysom Hill is, that, that could get real exciting, really exciting. And could, could usher in, I know, cause everyone's kind of like Lamar Jackson and the, the mobile quarterback and, and all that stuff. And I don't think Taysom Hill wants to be that guy. Cause I think if he is that guy, he's going to end up hurt because he's, he's too much like a linebacker. He wants to mix it up with folks and uh, just maybe a little bit too much. And all that does is get you injured. So there's a lot of creativity that they can, they can produce with Taysom Hill. Maybe not yet seen in the NFL. And I think for that reason, I really think Sean Payton wants to start him just out of sheer curiosity and intrigue about what, what he potentially could do with Taysom Hill. Because he, he used him in a myriad of situations a year ago. And Tampa, uh, Tampa, or New Orleans, they've got weapons. They've got weapons. 
So it's not all on Taysom Hill. In fact, he becomes a dynamic weapon as a quarterback. Third down is the NFL, right? Your success, uh, you want to have success in the NFL, you convert third down. And if you can convert third down, you're going to do well. And that's what Taysom Hill, probably of any other quarterback in the NFL, does it better, is he can convert third downs for you in so many different ways. Throwing it, running it, even catching it. Uh, it, 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 it they're going to they're gonna really keep people off balance with a lot of different things that, that he can do. And you convert third downs, and then you, then you start becoming a hard out. It's hard for people to figure you out, to stop you, any of that stuff. And, and so I've, I've really always appreciated and liked that aspect of Taysom Hill. And I don't hear a lot of people talk about it, which is surprising, but, you know, not everyone's me either. Um, the one thing I think, uh, if I would say a knock, it's that Taysom Hill is not this consistent passer. Look, he's gotten a ton better than when he was uh, at BYU. I mean, he was not a consistent passer. And, and just, you know, you, you're just like, yes, yeah, you know, we got a third and three to five. And it's scary thinking we're going to have to have him throw the ball consistently to get us a first down. And I think even Taysom Hill felt that way. And he's like, well, I'll just try to run for it, you know, because I don't have any confidence in me throwing it. But over time, you, you, you know, you're going to have to do that. You want to do that. You want to develop the confidence and the talent to do it. And I, I just I go back to Drew Brees, the fact that he got to watch Drew Brees and he kind of assimilates some of the habits, the mechanics, whatever. Steve Young was not a great passer at BYU. And, you know, he was, he was so self-made in so many ways. Maybe even a rougher but, you know, similar type of athlete as Taysom Hill. And he just, you know, and he, and he hates this. You didn't want to sit behind Joe Montana, but, you know, if you want to sit behind someone, Joe Montana is not a bad person to sit behind. And I, I know the impact it had on me as well in my career, sitting behind a guy like Dan Marino, it, it absolutely rubbed off on me. And that's the one drawback with Taysom Hill is, is, is just pure throwing. And in an offense that purely throws it, you, you know, you, it's kind of an important thing. And that's, that's kind of the only bugaboo, but I, I, I just think he's, he's grown enough because he's certainly throwing the ball a lot better than when he first got there. And I just know a lot of it is, is uh, uh, Drew Brees rubbing off on him. I don't know. I may have said Peyton Manning in this video. Who knows? Uh, if I did, my apologies. It's always Drew Brees in New Orleans. Uh, so I actually, I like the potential of Taysom Hill, and I think P Taysom Hill actually has the ability to kind of maybe maybe transform the position even more than what it is right now. All right. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the um, Helmets Off podcast and Twitter at the Helmets Off show. Until then, we'll see you then. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. 
they pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.